So if you were here last week, or actually I've been preaching now for probably about four, four weeks or so, on the place called In Him. Actually, when was Pastor Harbaum here? It's like maybe the end of August, so almost a month now, because I picked up, because he was talking about this place called In the Spirit. And so I picked up and have been trying to, to uh, lay it out so that we understand this place called in the spirit. This is a hard thing for the human to do because we are so, so natural. Uh, we have been trained naturally. Uh, everything is natural to us. And uh, we, have to, we have to realize the power of the natural on our life. There is a place called in the spirit where everything that God has established for us operates. It's amazing to me how few people are really trying to fight their way into this. If there was a place where life worked on a realm of supernatural, it's amazing to me how many people like to fight problems. I, you know, when Staples came out with that commercial, the easy button, I said, that's me. I like the easy button. I like things to work. I think that's probably one of my most motivating factors of why I want to function in this place because I like things to work. And, and they, they, they work better. I, I've been in places where I was sick and I've been in places where I felt really good. I, call me stupid. I like the place of feeling good better. I mean, it's just, to me, there's nothing of sickness that I want. I've been broke, and, and I've had money. Call me crazy, but money's better. I remember sitting out back when Mervyn's was, you know, a place at the mall, and they had that theater behind, and I'm sitting underneath that marquee, and I, I'll say I was praying, but really I was complaining, and uh, I was quoting scriptures. I thought we were the apple of your eye. I thought we were, you know, your children. I don't have enough money to buy a hamburger. And I was just frustrated beyond frustrated. I've been to the place called Broke. You ever, ever been to the place called Broke? Did you enjoy it? And are you ever trying to get back to it? Well, there's a place called More Than Enough. Are you really trying to get in there? And I pulled out onto Mooney Boulevard, flipped a U right there where Carl's Jr. is, went down to the next stoplight where uh, Pet Boys is on the left-hand side. Somebody honked their horn. And it was a guy I worked with. He lived in uh, either Ivanhoe or Woodlake. And uh, I worked with him out at Willing Pacific. And uh, I rolled down the window. Hey, Freddie, how you doing? He said, doing great. What are you doing? I said, ah, nothing, just getting ready to head home. He says, pull around over here to Carl's Jr. I'll buy you a hamburger. I almost started crying. Who does that? But God, God really just showed me. I know where you're at. I got you covered. Man, there is a place where provision manifest, where life works, where you don't have, I tell you what, if you ever find the place where you get worry and anxiety out of your life, you have found a real place. I don't lay awake at night worrying about things. I don't worry about nothing. And uh, uh, I mean, even statistics and analysis says like 98% of what you worry about never happens anyway. And so uh, it is such a foolish endeavor to just live in the realm of worry and anxiety. I tell you what, if nothing else works, get worry and anxiety out of your life. There's a place called in the spirit. There is no worry there. There is no lack there. There is no anxiety there. There is no frustration there. You know, I've said, I, I've read many uh, statistics and many different things about the number of pastors that quit. It's like high. And, uh, and it's cited burnout. Do you know you can't burn out in Christ? It's impossible because there is no burnout in Christ. But many people, even doing ministry, even, even in the ministry of helps, they say, you know what, I want to turn this over. I've been doing it too long. I'm just getting burned out. But there's a place where you, burnout doesn't even exist. I'm preaching good here, you know. See, see, everybody gets quiet. It doesn't matter where you do this. Everybody gets quiet when you start talking about a place where life works. Isn't it amazing? Because we feel we can't get there. Well, maybe it works for you, but it doesn't work for me. Maybe if you changed your confession, it would. Amen. Well, I don't, I've had this said to me before. Well, well Pastor, I don't have the, the faith that you have. 
It's like, well, what faith do you have? The Bible says have the God kind of faith. There's only one faith. So all, all it means is I'm not willing to exercise my faith like you. Because I'm willing to put things on the line to, to have faith to see it work. That is a place of discomfort, and I understand how people like to be in their comfort zone uh, because they know that place. But there's a whole world outside of your comfort zone. There's a whole lot, a whole world outside of your current knowledge. Because we all know something wherever we're at right now. We can, we can either have that as a launching pad to the next realm of understanding, or we can have that as a prison to stay in the rest of our life. Now it's getting really quiet. <laughs> what are you doing with the knowledge that you have? I remember we were talking, uh, one, or I was talking to somebody one time, and Tammy was there, and uh, uh, I don't even remember the subject that we were on, but it's, it's a subject that, I, like, it's not really my subject. But um, uh, I was interjecting and talking about, and, uh, and we get in the car or something like that. She goes, how do you even know that? It's like, because I'm always, in fact, somebody just told me, the other, said something the other day. How do you even know that? It's like, because I don't stay where I'm at in knowledge. I know, I know where, and, and I'll, I'll confess something, okay? I'm 61. It's getting harder. I, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm about 10, 15 years away being an old dog. You, know, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Really, you can teach old dogs new tricks. It's just the dog doesn't want to learn. And, and I want, now here's David's want. I'm going to be honest with you. I want things to not change. I'm comfortable with what I know. I'm comfortable with how things work that I know. And I don't want it to change. But guess what? Nobody's listening to me. The world keeps changing. So I can stay in my present knowledge. And you know what I'm going to be doing is going behind. It's not going to work. Or I can understand that my current knowledge is a launching point for my next knowledge. Well, the same thing's true in the Word of God. A lot of people are living off their doctrine from 20, 30 years ago. If your doctrine hasn't changed in, in the last 10, 15, 20 years... Then, uh, then you're way behind. Say, well, well, God's word never changes. Yes, you're absolutely right. But you've never understood the totality of God's word. You can't. That's right. Do you hear how quiet? It made? This isn't even, I did not even started preaching yet. I'm just exhorting. It's not that God's word has changed because I could go back and listen to something I preached 20 years ago. And I tell you, don't listen to that anymore. Because it was based on my revelation then and I've got more revelation now. But a lot of people are still living in their revelation from back then. Wishing the old days would come back. Let me help you with something. The old days ain't coming back. You better have a fresh revelation for the fresh problems of today. So praise the Lord. So last week, I ministered on our inheritance. Our inheritance is found in this place called in Him, in the Spirit. And, and if you are a child of God, and if you, are, uh, if you are a child of God, you are a joint heir to the inheritance. You, you've been made to qualify. So a lot of people are still stuck on this. I'm not good enough. You don't have to be good enough. When you receive Christ, you become a joint. Joint is joint and the word solo synonymous. No, solo is one. It, you, you become a joint. You're, you're based on him. You're based on the father. So if you were left an inheritance, you know, Tammy, uh, I believe everybody knows Tammy was adopted. Um, and so her, her family was not biological, but legally they were just as family as if she was biological to them. And when her, her mother passed away, her, her father had uh, predeceased her mother, and uh, when she passed away, she got an inheritance along with the biological kids because there was not a difference in the heirship. Even in the eyes of the law, there was not a difference. 
But how come you and me as Christians keep trying to create a, a difference because of something we did back there and we have a problem accepting we are joint heirs in him, thus making us uh, having a right to the inheritance? We, we looked and we saw Esau who sold his birthright. He, by, by birth, in eldership, he, he was, everything that Isaac had would flow to him. All the cattle, all the sheep, all the this, all the that. But he sold the birthright because of a temporary problem. Do you know how many Christians sell their birthright because of a temporary problem? They're looking at, remember he said, uh, well, if I don't get this soup, I'm going to die. What good is my birthright? So because of the temporary problem, he sold or walked away from his inheritance. But you know how many Christians do the exact same thing? Because there's a problem in life, because there's pressure in life, because there's discomfort in life, that they whack out instead of stand on their rights as a joint heir and overcome because they have, they have been given the rights to the inheritance. They walk away from it because the problem's too great. That's just a position of, um, of decision. We looked at Abraham out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, that by faith, he moved into a different place. And once he moved into that place, he received an inheritance. Your inheritance is in a locale. It's a spiritual locale. I can't give you an address on it. It's in the spirit. Uh, but, but it's there. And if you're in that place, it's not just words. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Yeah, what do you got? Well, nothing. I'm just struggling. Well, your Christ isn't very big. What, is your heavenly father broke? Did he say that my arms shorten? Do we call God T-Rex? I'm trying to fulfill my promises. I'm trying to fulfill my promises. No, he says his arms not shortened to not fulfill the things that he cannot fulfill the things that he said. We, we, we got to understand the, these things. So now I want to now deal with. Go to, if you would, Genesis 27. Amen. I'm not going to read this part, but you go through the story of Jacob because I'm still on Jacob and Esau uh, making my point here. Then this place, Rebecca with Jacob deceived Israel. Okay, go out, kill me a couple uh, of calves, bring them back in. I'm going to take the hair off of them and put them on your arm. So if your daddy feels you, uh, he'll feel you, that you're hairy like your brother Esau. And, uh, you know, uh, it just, I, I want to see a picture of Esau. I mean, she took it off and put it on the back of his neck and down his arms and, and on his hands and on his finger. You know, this was like a, a Sasquatch walking around or something like that. And he, he was a hairy man. Jacob wasn't. So, so she, she skins off all the hair, somehow pasted on him, uh, goes and gets one of his clothes so, th so that he would smell like Esau. Okay, so he was hairy and stinky because he was a man of the field. Then she made the stew. He went in and uh, they go through all this stuff. Now I want you to understand, Jacob does not qualify for the blessing. Do you know how many people are stuck on not qualifying of the New Testament blessing? Jacob does not qualify for the blessing, yet he still gets blessed. Now, it is by deception, which we're not endorsing that. But, uh, uh, but, I, but I want you to understand that somebody who did not qualify still got blessed. Okay, so now we get down to Genesis, Genesis 27, verse 23. And it says in... He dis this is Isaac. He discerned him not, meaning Jacob, that he was Esau, uh, because his hands were hairy as his brother's Esau's hand. So he blessed him. Now jump down to 27. And he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field which the Lord hath bled. Therefore, now he's going to bless him. 
God gives thee of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's son, the elder one now, because he doesn't know he's saying this, let thy elder son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Now, that is the same blessing that if you go back over to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and I think all the way up to 3, that God blessed Abraham with. Abraham to Isaac. Isaac now, not to Esau, but to Jacob. Okay? So, so here's, here's something interesting that happens. Go down to verse 33. And Isaac trembled... Uh, uh, well, actually, hang on. This is when Esau comes in for his blessing. He went out and killed a deer, made some stew, and he's coming in. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly. In fact, let's just read 32. Isaac said, and Isaac, his father, said unto him, Esau, who are you? And he said, I'm thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it? Uh, to me, and I have eaten of all before you came, and have blessed him, and he shall be blessed. Now, I want you to see something in here uh, of the power of the blessing. Because he already blessed, he could not give that blessing to his eldest son now. Now, we're going to continue reading verse 34. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with great exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtility, sub, subtility. subtility and hath taken away your blessing. Who's taken away your blessing? Now, we're going to read this over in the New Testament here in just a bit. But, but we have been blessed. Are you allowing somebody, are you allowing an event to take away your blessing? Esau understood that this blessing, if he had to have the birthright and the blessing, he was willing to depart with the birthright because that's just what daddy has. But the blessing will empower me to get my own. So the system was set up that, that the, the, el the father would transfer his inheritance to his eldest and then would bless them so that they could take it and multiply and become greater than before. Oh, a good man leaveth the inheritance for his children's children. Most, most people today don't even have a mindset of I need to build so that I can pass on and they ha don't have a multi-generational thought process. In fact, you look on social media, a lot of people say we're spending our, their inheritance because they can go out and earn their own themselves. I had earned it myself. They can earn it themselves. It's not biblical. Okay, we've changed to being Presbyterians, and it's okay to be quiet within the church. Verse 36, and he said, Is it not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away uh, my blessing. And, and he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Verse 37, and Isaac answered and said to him, watch this now, behold, I have made him thy Lord. He can't change it now. He's already released the blessing. And all his brethren have I given to him for servants with corn and with wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing? My father, bless me even also, <clears throat> O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword you will live and shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Now, what we see here is the second blessing is not as powerful as the blessing. Do you know how many Christians are trying to get the second, third, fourth? Oh, bless me, God, bless me, bless me, God. And he's already blessed us. 
the, the second blessing is not as powerful as the first blessing. So, so in this place called in the spirit, we are blessed. We don't have to get re-blessed. We don't have to get the second, third, fourth, fifth blessed. We are blessed. What is he going to give us beyond what he has given to us? And this identity issue plagues so many people because they're fighting from a wrong position. If you are blessed, then your blessing, it doesn't mean life's going to be easy, but your blessing will cause you to overcome what's trying to come against you. Let's go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be. Out of the same mouth. Oh, I was going to read verse 9. Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things shall, uh, ought not be. Now, so in this place of in the Spirit, where the blessing flows, where the, the inheritance resides, your mouth is going to give place to where you function. Now, this word cursed here in, in 310, uh, I looked it up, and one of the definitions of it means given up to barrenness. Now, that really fits in with the whole, the whole realm of God because God wants us blessed, God wants us fruitful, God wants us producing. But with the same mouth, we're talking about problems, we're cursing things. You ever met that person? That they couldn't find anything good, that there didn't, wasn't a problem in it. Yeah. And they're always talking about, well, this is, this is, gonna, this is broken. We're going to have to do this. And that, that's not going to work if we do it that way. And, and they can always find, they can always curse. Now, most of them don't realize they're cursing or talking against the blessing because, no, I'm just stating fact. But truth trumps fact. Mm-hmm. In the blessing, there's a functionality you, you remember Daniel? They made a law that, that uh, you could not bow down to anyone except for the king. And if you did, the whole law was created as a plot against Daniel. Daniel, in the place of this blessing, changed the law of the land. Now, The journey on that is he had to go into the lion's den. But the place of the blessing caused him that he changed the whole thing. And those who came against him ended up dying by the the same sword, which was a lion, that they wanted wanted, uh, Daniel to die from. You remember uh, uh, Mordecai? uh, uh, Is it Esther? You remember Esther? It was against, she went into the king, which her head could have been taken off. And she changed the law. Because the law was they were going to kill all the Jews. But in that place, she influenced the king and everything was changed. And um, what was the, Haman, was that his name? The guy that came against him? He ended up, what is it? Haman. He ended up hanging at the same gallow he created for uh, Mordecai? See, in this place, you and I have the ability to change opposition that's coming against us, but there's pressure in this place. And this is the reality of where we dwell. Are we carnally minded or are we spiritually minded? And I don't say that as a derogatory statement. It's just, it's the only two places we can be. We think in natural terms or we think in spiritual terms. The power of being of the blessed. It's the power of blessing versus the given to barrenness. Now, here's where we mess up. 
We're either in the spirit or in the vanity of our minds. And when we have problems in life, we're dealing with them from in the spirit or in the vanity of our mind. In the vanity of our mind, we're getting upset because something didn't work. And in the spirit, we know all things work. So we're not stuck on one event. Okay, I got two head shakes. Yes, everybody else is just staring at me like, huh? Okay, so let's do this again. When I'm functioning in the vanity of my mind, I'm looking at circumstances that come against me and how they unfold, thinking that circumstance, that event, it should always bless me. But we live in a fallen world. Not everything's going to work the way that we think. But if we're in the position of blessed, I know all things work for me. So it doesn't matter if that was the one that works. I know something else is coming that's worked. It is, this is where I go back to that position called a, uh, it's, it's a state of being. If I am blessed, then I'm always rising. It doesn't matter. Things will happen that will make it look like things are crashing and burning. But if I'm blessed, nothing crashes and burns or has the power to crash and burn me totally because I'm blessed and I overcome all things. But it's in that place of overcoming where the pressure is. It's the, I don't want to walk the path because the path looks broken. I don't want to move forward because it doesn't look like. And now when I get into the vanity of my mind, I revert back to me and all my failures. Now, now you're not going to function in the state of being that you have an inheritance or that you have uh, you are in the spirit and have the blessing. If you're meditating on all the problems that you're facing. God, why? Get that out of your mouth. God, thank you. I thank you that you meet all my needs. I thank you that you make a path. I thank you that you made the crooked places straight. I thank you. It, it, in my physical eyes, in my, my natural mind, it sure don't look like it. But I know that your word is true. And I know that everything, that if I will just stay in you, everything is going to work out. And I'm going to rise above everything that comes against me. Now, God doesn't have to do something to make this happen. He's already done it. We're going to see that in just a minute, if I have time. He's already done it. It's incumbent upon me to be in the place. Now, that's hard. Because when I say me, I can talk about my spirit man. But I also got to talk about my David man. My thinking man. Remember, I like the easy button. I don't like walking down the path of hard. I want it to be easy. But life ain't easy. You know, people say a lot of times life ain't fair. Yeah, you're right. Get over it. Because life isn't fair. God's fair. So just stay in God. Go to Genesis. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 31. Genesis 31, 30. Okay, what did I do here? Did I put 30 on there? I actually meant 31.3. Okay. So we're still in 31. So that's good. Just kind of rewind to verse 3. Now, Jacob has left, you know, after he uh, deceived Esau, she said, uh, his mother said, go to my, my brother over in such and such a place in Laban and over there and he, you know, Get you a wife from over there and da 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 da. And, you know, remember he worked for, uh, uh, what was it, Rachel, but he got Leah. So he works another seven years and he's tending his father in law's uh, herds and, and everything like that. Okay. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return into the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Now, I want you to notice a verse here I will be with thee. Okay, this is a word that Jacob gets. Now, now Jacob is coming off of this very prosperous journey. He, uh, God just blessed him. That, that blessing is upon him. And even though Laban tried to uh, make it look like or tried to change his way to do different things, Jacob always came out on top. Now, hold your place here and turn over to 32.6. Amen. 
Now, Jacob's leaving. He's going and he comes to the place where he's getting ready to meet his brother Esau. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to, the, to thy brother Esau. And also he cometh to meet thee there and 400 men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. That's like what, 20 verses later? I will be with you. Doesn't, doesn't Hebrews chapter 13 say, I, I am with you, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But how many times do we think this is, the, this is the vanity of the mind? Oh, my God, you need to show up in this. No, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We revert over to our emotions on how we feel about situations. And then we come to conclusions. I just feel like God's so far away. But he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, Jacob is blessed. And he has seen over the past, what well, was at least 14 years, uh, over the past, uh, over a decade, the blessing operate. And then God says, I want you to go back from where you came from and I will be with you. And when he encounters his first problem, he's greatly distressed. See where it's hard? So he ends up splitting his family up and says, man, if Esau comes against us, he'll only kill half of us. Because he has to go over one, and the other one can take off and run before he kills all of them. And uh, so, you wife go this way, you wife go that way. Wait, that's what he did, right? Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me do this part again. You wife go this way, and you wife go that way. I'm going to set one of you up to die. Wait a minute, wait, wait. Let me, let me re-say this. This is a man who is blessed. This is a man who God says, I will, I will be with you. And he, in the vanity of his mind, has to figure out how to protect his assets. And I want at least one, one wife left. Interesting. I wonder if he sent Leah like a little bit ahead. Because he didn't want her in the beginning. Just kind of a random thought that just came to my mind. Okay. Back to chapter 31. What, are, what did we start at? Three. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return into the land of thy fathers, I will be with you. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field unto his flock. Now I want you to watch how the, the blessing has worked in his life. And said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that he is not toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. So he's acknowledging that even though the father hasn't been, you know, really on board with him, God's been with me. Okay. Remember it was chapter 32 where he was greatly distressed? He has a working knowledge, but in reality it's not functioning. And you know that with all my power I have served your father, and your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. Watch this. But God suffered him not to hurt me. It didn't matter what he did. I came out on top. This is the blessing working. He's talking about the blessing. Everything I put my hands to wasn't easy. He was deceived. He got Leah instead of, of Rebecca or Rachel. Uh, uh, he got deceived and got that. So it didn't work. It wasn't like it was easy. It's not easy. But it worked. Verse 8. If he said thus, the speckled shall be the, uh, thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, that the ring straight shall be uh, thy hire, then bear all the cattle ring straight. Uh, or whatever he said, you know, we were getting all the, the speckled cattle out here. And he says, man, this ain't working out. I want the speckled one. Okay, well, then they stop being born speckled. That's the blessing working on his life. Amen. Thus God had taken away the cattle of your father and has given it to me. Thus, God has taken away the cattle and given it to me. You know, the, Isaiah comes back later and says, The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Do you know what the blessing will do for you? It will transfer from those who have that do not walk with God to those who have walked with God, that find themselves in that place. We struggle, we fight, we try to make it work. And God said there's a place where it will work. 
And it came to pass at that time the cattle conceived that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ringstraked, speckled, and grizzled. And the angel of God spoke unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And, and I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up your eyes now and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ringstraked, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban done, has done to you. Do you know, based on verse 12, that God sees what others are doing to you. Now, we can get all discombobulated based on what others are doing to you, or we can be blessed knowing that God sees it and He's working everything out. See, this is the difference of operating in the place called blessing and just saying, I'm blessed. We've cheapened it. Oh, I'm blessed. I got a parking spot up close to the door. Well, it probably wasn't a blessing because you needed to walk. <laughs> it was just convenient. There's a lot of things that we say the blessing to that is really so far below the power of the blessing. In fact, it's been cheapened, I feel, by just we say bless you when somebody sneezes. Now, I get the context of it, but now people just say it mindlessly. Oh, bless you. Heathens say it. Oh, bless you. You ought to turn around and say, what does that mean? Huh? Well, you said bless me. What does that mean? Uh, well, I, I just hope you're not sick or something like that. No, no, the blessing causes God to watch over you and to change circumstances because of you. This place called in the spirit is so powerful on ours, but you're not going to get there by just listening to a person like me preach about it. You've got to see yourself in this position that nobody can do anything. Remember, even going all the way back to the blessing of Abraham, those that curse you, I will curse. Now, God obviously knew some people were going to come against Abraham. He wasn't saying it's going to be easy. Everybody that lines up against you, uh, I'll step in and I'll turn it back on them. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Oh, surely they shall gather, but not by me, saith the Lord. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But you've got to be in this place called blessed. You, you've got to understand that you, in this place, creates God being obligated to perform. His word, remember in Isaiah, he says, my word shall go forth and it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish the thing therewith I sent it. He sent a word that said you're blessed, but you've got to, there's got to be a reality. And this is the problem that I see many times with people because I preach a lot about faith and now I'm preaching about the blessing and this place called in the spirit. We get the words and they come out of our brain instead of them being an expression of who we are. Did that make sense? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. How come you can't beat anything? Well, I'm waiting on God. He, he sent his son and he already did it. What are you waiting for? And go die on the cross again, get a second blessing, a third blessing. That's like people that, that talk about the, the second anointing, you know, a, uh, um, or a double portion, you know, um, Elijah and Elisha. Elisha got a double portion of the anointing. And then the, you know, so people preach, a lot of preachers that preach the, the message on the, the, the double portion. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, the anointed one, gave, came and gave us his anointing. What double do you want? Is there more anointing than what Jesus had? He was the anointed one. See, we get these little sound good sound bites, but this is a place. Go to Ephesians, or Genesis chapter 32, verse 26. Hope you're getting something out of this. Now here's Jacob trying to get a second blessing. He's, he's, he's uh, fighting with the angel. In verse 26, he said, let me go. For the day breaketh, and he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. Why does he want a second blessing? This is, this is where man falls. I got, I got to get God to bless me again. No, he already blessed you. Keep walking in the blessing. There, there is no greater blessing than the blessing that, that exemplifies and defines who God is. 
He was looking for something from God that was already given to him. How? He allowed the difficulties to determine his present reality. We do this. Who are you in Christ? Is your brain keeping you out of the fullness of the power? Because there's a place where we can function from that everything works. Now, let me go to my last scripture here in Ephesians chapter 1. Amen. Let me wrap this up here. It'll only take me 30 minutes to wrap. No, I'm just kidding. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace be with you and peace from God our Father. Now, grace, the power of heaven to do what God has commanded. Grace, the power of God to do what heaven's, what, what the word of God has commanded. And peace, the, the original word from that word peace, uh, it means prosperity, but it also means one or to join. Our, uh, later on, Paul talks about peace being multiplied, our proximity to God. It also means rest um, and quietness. But he says, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's going to define God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so in the blessed, we function in grace and peace. Grace and peace resides in this place called blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. Who has, hath, King James, probably if you got different, it says has, past tense, blessed us with all, say all, all, spiritual blessings. Now, if you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings, what second blessing do you need? So all we have to do is fun function in this place called blessed which is the place called in the spirit. Now, where is this place called? Uh, blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, he goes on down here. If we were to read the latter part of chapter 1 and into chapter 2, it says, uh, look, uh, well, just look there, verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Who he exerted to raise Jesus from the dead, set him at his own hot right hand, far above every power that is named, all the way down to chapter 2, verse 6, and has raised us to be seated in him. This is the place in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that the blessing functions from. What takes me out of that place is a mind that shifts back into the natural realm and allows the natural realm to define the problem and thus functions with my mouth speaking cursings. According, verse 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, I want you to notice this because this is where we, we struggle. We, we think we're not holy and we're without blame. But if you, we won't turn there, but if you went to Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, uh, God shows up to Abraham and, uh, who was 99 years old at the time and said, walk before me and be thou perfect. That was what, basically what he's saying, start now. Because he was 99 years old. Now, a lot of people like to quote out of Romans that, uh, um, that Abraham stumbled not at the promises of God. That was when he was 99. Before that, he did a lot of stumbling and he was less than perfect. I mean, we wouldn't have had Ishmael if he didn't stumble. He wouldn't have told uh, his, his wife, tell me you're my sister because I don't want him to kill me. I mean, we could go down the, the problems that Abraham was, but at 99 years old, he got a revelation, and God said, now you start walking right. So translation on that for you and I, whatever age you are, start now. That's the whole thing of the blessing. He knows we're not qualified. Start now. Change, change the position. Abraham was not perfect. Uh, by age, Jacob didn't qualify. And uh, you and I, we're not perfect and we don't qualify. Start now. Make a decision. I'm going to start walking in this. I'm going to start meditating on who God created me to be, what he created. I'm not going to look at the circumstances that come against me, the things that look like they're not working. I am going to continue to be blessed. I believe that it's going to flow to me. I believe that it's going to manifest to me. Let's stand.
there is this place called in the spirit. Now, many people think, and again, I watch people, and, and things should work the way the Bible says. <coughs> things should work the way the Bible says. A lot of people believe that because they're filled with the Spirit, or because they're born again, they are in the Spirit. No, Paul wouldn't have come back and said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind, the exhortation that Peter gave this morning. Transformation, transformation is to move from one state to another state. Now, I'm not talking about California to Tennessee, okay? Amen. From one state of being to another state of being. So, so to be in the spirit, we have to transform into this place. And according to Paul in Romans, he, and, and I can't find it anywhere else where transformation takes place, except for through the renewing of the mind. I have to change the way I think. The reality of the word has got to be the preponderance of my thought or the highest level of value in my thought than the conditions that I made. And if I'm going to make that transmission or transition, one of the greatest things or the most obvious things that you're going to see about yourself is you're going to learn the language of silence. Because you can't comment on everything and stay in the place called in Him. Amen. Shall blessings and cursings come out? Can be it bitter water and sweet water be in the same pond? No, because if I'm in this place where I'm blessed, if I'm in this place where the inheritance, I'm a joint heir, what is it that I have to say about what's not working? The reason that we can continue talking in the what's not working arena is because our, our belief in God is in our brain, not in our heart. Amen. It's not a statement of being, it's a statement of knowledge. Academic knowledge. See, if I be blessed, what can come against me? Well, the Bible already told me no weapon formed against me uh, shall, shall prosper. And the Bible, in, that's the Old Testament, the Bible in the New Testament says, Greater is he that is in me than he that opposes me or comes against me. So what, what condition can I be in that I am not superior to the condition if I am in the place called in the spirit, which is above everything that's named. See, what we do is we bring down the word of God and we think, well, we just have to fight until we get to heaven. Praise God. Once we get to heaven. No, God wants his glory to shine through us. Amen. He's given me all things pertaining to life. Life deals with your health, your peace level, your mental level. Your prosperity level. He's given me all things pertaining to life and to godliness. I can do everything he's called me to do. I'm not obligated to do anything he hasn't called me to do. But in this place. So I said, well, pastor, but I'm confused. I don't know how to get to the place. Let me make it real simple. You're going to have to turn this, what your Bible knowledge is, into an identity. I am healed. We were in a store yesterday uh, up in Fresno, and uh, they had an you know, they play music and have advertisements or something. They're talking about getting your flu shot, and uh, flu season is coming upon us. No, it started off with the person sneezing, and then flu season is coming upon us, and, and you want to prepare yourself. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm already prepared. I don't get sick. It's not even a thought to me. Should I do it? Should I not? I don't get sick. It's a statement of being. I will, I will, now I'm very uh, diligent over our money and, and being a good steward of it, but I'm very also very inside of me, I don't go broke. Even when things get tight, money's going to show up somewhere. I'm not concerned. I see people carrying loads uh, because of the money issue that they're going, I don't carry loads on it. Does it ever get tight? Oh, absolutely. Especially when you give as big as what we give, uh, <laughs> money's going to dry up at times. And what typically bothers me is my ability to give when the money gets tight. Because I, I, I've got this multi-level thing that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm dealing with that I want to expand the kingdom of God. I want us to live at a nice level and I want to leave an inheritance to my, my children's children. 
Y'all met my grandkids yet? Oh, they exist. They just don't manifest yet. I'm getting stared at. Um, I'll move on. It's got to become a reality to you. Get the verbiage out. Oh, I'm favored. You're favored if things work for you. And you don't get discombobulated when you step into a little bit of a problem. Because what happens is when the problems come, people lose their favor. Because they never, they don't see themselves as a favored person. We come up with all this Christianese about how good we're doing and we're struggling. We really want to go break down and cry, but we put on this happy face and say, well, God is great. God is good. But you don't believe it. If he's great and Psalms 24 says he owns everything, why don't, why isn't it being transferred as a joint heir? See, I would be more concerned about things not working and where am I missing it, God, than, than the problem that I'm facing. And if I really believe that I'm what he said I am, then I'm going to know it's going to show up anyway. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep pressing my faith. I'm going to keep doing everything I see in his word to do. A lot of people have a doctrine to say, well, is that really God? I mean, that was Old Testament. That doesn't apply to us today. Uh, you know, we don't have to do that. Oh, no. To live in the New Testament, the standard's higher. In the Old Testament, you had to kill somebody to be a murderer. In the New Testament, you can just be a racist. Let's have my elders come up. That will cue me to quit. We've got to come to this place. How are you going to do it? You've got to start meditating on the word. You've got to find the word. Where I would stop is where you need it most. If you're in a big financial battle, start with money. If you're in a big anxiety battle, worry battle, start with the, start with the, the, the verses on peace and, and, and the deliverance from those things. If you're in a physical battle, you know, something's attacking your body, start with the healing elements and renew your mind to it. Don't, don't just pray, God, this says that you will heal me. You know, you sent your word and it healed my flesh. Uh, I, I've got your word in my hand. No, 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 no. Jesus was not Jesus, the firstborn of many. We read this on Wednesday. Well, Jesus was the word manifested in the flesh. Paul comes back and says, you are living epistles known and read of all men. You've got to become the word manifested in the flesh. Well, how in the world do I do that? Start acting like the word. I mean, if you're a country music fan, we know you're immersed in country music. You've got cowboy boots on, a cowboy hat on, flannel shirt. It's not hard to figure out. You immerse yourself. If you're a 49ers fan, we know you're a 49ers fan. You got flags on your car, bumper stickers on your car, 49ers shirt whenever they're playing, and uh, and whatever. We we immerse. This is not like a foreign concept. Yeah. Become what the word says. Yes. 